0: Before we jump into today's episode, if you haven't already, go check out Ostrich. We're all about improving your financial literacy, financial well-being, and helping you get to where you want to be financially. And uh, we've actually rolled out a really cool program that I'm excited to announce. It's called Shares for Shares. And we're actually giving away shares of stock in our company uh, for sharing our network and helping grow the network. So go to getostrich.com, sign up, start sharing, and you can earn uh, a limited number of referral shares that we've got available. Hello, and welcome to the Silicon Alley podcast. Super excited you could join me today. I'm Wim Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich. And of course, your host of the Silicon Alley podcast. Now on the Silicon Alley podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs and top performers to understand what it truly takes to grow and scale a business you'll get actionable advice that you can apply in your own business and life. Now, on today's episode, I sit down with Jay Webb, founder of the Jay David Group. Before I jump into his background, though, and why I'm so excited for today's episode, if you have not already, subscribe and follow the podcast so you get notified when a new episode drops every Friday. And if you hear something you like, share the podcast on social media or with others who you think would get value. So my guest today, Jay Webb, is the founder of the Jay David Group, which helps rapidly growing software companies hire sales leaders and salespeople. He's also the host of OverQuota, which is a podcast that features his exclusive interviews with CEOs, sales leaders, and top enterprise software salespeople about the keys to their success and what, in their opinions, separates the best salespeople from everybody else. Now, I actually sat down with Jay a few weeks ago to discuss my experience as an individual contributor and quick rise into sales leadership, as well as growing and scaling Ostrich. It was a lot of fun, and now I get to flip the script. And what I love about today's conversation is Jay goes deep into what motivates him from being dead set on being in the NBA, uh, to get the attention of his father, actually, to unbossing himself so no one could tell him what to do, and his approach to learning, um, as well as his motto, having an allergic reaction to inaction. So I hope that you enjoy today's conversation with Jay webb It's a ton of fun, and please drop a review and share the podcast with others. Thanks so much, and let's get to it. You got no time to waste, but still you hesitate,
1: caught in a circle saying I'll never leave this place.
0: All right. Jay, welcome to the Silicon Alley podcast. Super excited to have you on and hear a little bit more about your story.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited to do this. You know, I'm usually on the other side of this. This is is exciting and interesting.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Jay hosts a, a podcast called Overquota that's focused on sales, sales leaders, individual contributors, and specifically within technology. And uh, Jay was was uh, nice enough to let me get on there and have the mic on his podcast and dive into my experience. And it's fun that I get to flip revol- flip the roles and get to uh, get to hop on the other side of the mic with you.
1: That's right. That's right. Flip the roles. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Well, Jay, why don't you give the audience a little bit of background? Because um, you weren't always an entrepreneur, and over quota sales obviously is a big part of uh, part of your journey. But take us back. Who is Jay, and, and kind of what's your early uh, career trajectory looked like?
1: So when I was in college, um, the only thing that I wanted to do once I realized, frankly, going into college that I wasn't going to be in the NBA because I always wanted to be a professional athlete, and I was. Serious about that, right? Like I yeah. would get up at five o'clock in the morning, shoot five hundred jump shots. I'd pay one of my friends a penny to rebound for me, like a penny a ball <laughs> um, <laughs> to rebound to rebound for me. And I don't think I ever gave him those five hundred pennies, to be honest with you. But like I, at one point, um, going into my sophomore year in college, my mother she'd moved to Dallas. I'm from Boston, but she'd moved to Dallas. Um, or Fort Worth, I should say, Texas during that time. And so I was there for the summertime, and I didn't make the team my freshman year, but I was it was a scholarship team, you know it was Division two, certainly not Division one, but yeah, I worked my butt off. I remember it was like one hundred and ten degrees out and she lived in this apartment complex where, you know, there was a basketball court there and I'd be out there all day. So I was like serious about like, I did not want to work for a living. And I was trying everything I could <laughs> to, not, to not to not work for a living. The Only work I wanted to do was work on the court. And so just to back up for a second, like growing up, yeah. that's what I did. Like my work ethic was all about like sports, whether it was football, okay. basketball, baseball, the whole nine yards. And the one thing that I didn't do, which I was so thankful for as a kid is I didn't have jobs. Like I had one job as a paper boy that lasted literally one route. It was literally one after, <laughs> one Saturday morning. I delivered like, I don't even know how many papers, maybe a hundred. And then I, qu- I quit. I uh, <laughs> was a, I was a carriage boy, like basically the boy, the people that deliver the cat bring the carriages back to the uh, grocery store Yay. when somebody pushed them or at least when they were in the parking lot you had to sort of put them all back together like those the, and that was like a week that's all i had those were like my <laughs> jobs when I growing up everything and then i just had like basketball camp like you know just camps that's what i would do right yeah so my early career when i was in college i because I have a right brain, like I just create, 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 create. I was like, all right, I want to get into advertising, and I want to be like the Ogilvy, David Ogilvy, was like my mentor or yeah. virtual mentor. I want to create like him, and eventually start my own. I want to have my ad, an ad agency, and I want to be, and I want to create this big ad empire. And so my when I had an internship my senior year in college at an ad agency, and I thought this was it. You know, I was on the creative side, the whole nine yards. They hired me right after college. Um, so graduated on a Sunday, literally walked in there on a Monday, which was 1997, um, started working. I was only there for a few months, because they had to, they, they wanted, they, w- they thought they were gonna win an account when they hired me Okay. A restaurant. They thought they were gonna win it, they didn't win it. And then there I was um, looking for a job again. So I've always had this entrepreneurial bend to me because I'd never, like to my point, I never wanted to work for anybody. I never wanted yeah. to be a boss. And I finally found a job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And frankly, the reason why I even started working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car was because one of the things they said, uh, they actually were recruiting at my, at my college, my junior year. One of the things that they said that I remembered two or three years later was um, that if you, if you come to Enterprise, we will teach you how to run a business. We will teach you about sales, marketing, PL, management, like you name it, we will teach you. And I always stuck in my head, like, hmm, you know what? That sounds like something that I could take advantage of, right? Yeah. So I did. I went there, started off as an individual, grew up, um, became a manager in two years, stayed there for five years, and was in various management capacities there. And it did. It taught me, frankly, how to run a business. I knew nothing about management, managerial accounting. I freaking got like D's in it in college. I was just terrible <laughs> at it, right? But then like a year in at Enterprise rent I'm like, oh shit, I'm like oh, sorry. I don't know if you <laughs>
0: no,
1: take the fine. Yeah. But it's like I know I know what, I could go back to this class and ace it now, right? Like I understand like what yeah. this what this is all about, right? Yeah. Um and so but even then, I was like, okay, at some point like these these bosses that I have, which I had great bosses, but I always had this in my mind, like you know what? They could make my life miserable. Like these guys have the choice to either, you know, make my life miserable or not. Right now, they're just choosing to make my life not miserable because I have good bosses, right? Yeah. And that always just bothered me. And I was like, oh, something more I could do, something more I should do. So while I was there, like I said, man, I'm like I'm just an I'm just an entrepreneur at heart. So I started a I started flipping houses while I was there. Okay. Um, I bought and sold real estate probably a lot, but I don't know, maybe six or seven places between 2003 and 2006. Some I held, like some I had sold a con. One, at one point, I sold a contract to a house. Um, as a matter of <laughs> okay. fact, that, that was the impetus for me leaving, actually, Enterprise, is that I ended up purchasing a, uh, I wanted to leave Enterprise. I just knew it. at some point, I, I was yeah. just like, seven years in, I'm done. I got to start doing something on my own, right? By the way, I started a magazine in 2001 with a good friend of a friend of mine called Chivalry Magazine. Um, so I was doing all these crazy things, right? Um, and then invested in real estate.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, still have real estate from way back then. Uh, today I have property in Arkansas. I have a three family in Gloucester, Massachusetts. I have a I have a family a investment property where I live now. So all of those things. Um, really were me just trying to figure out, okay, what am, wh- where, what's my goal? Like, where, where do I, how am I going to get to where I want to be? Right? Yeah. At some point real estate slowed down and I needed to go work and all right, so what am I going to do? And for some reason, recruiting spoke to me, right? Being a headhunter spoke to me yeah, uh, because it's dynamic. Because it's not just it wasn't just selling a particular product. It wasn't necessarily I didn't envision it just sitting behind a desk all day and 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 not really having, you know, rich conversations about stuff that I was that I wasn't interested in. Sure. And yeah. This conversation that we're having here and that that I have on my podcast, th- these are the things that excite me because every in my conversation that I had with you in my podcast, it's dynamic. You're different. I wanted to learn more about you. I figured if I wasn't gonna be an entrepreneur, maybe I'd be a, a psychologist or something because I'm just so fascinated by people and what made people tick so to me sitting here evaluating salespeople as for a career i can do that right like that's something i can do right almost in a way like holding up a mirror and looking at myself like what makes me tick right because that's just sort of my dna right sales is is just sort of in me but then again because i get it so i had to go to work um notice i said had to i had to go to work i had to to go i had to go report to people right one of the things that i've always done though as a employee was what I call unboss myself, right? I don't want a boss, so I unboss myself. So what that means is at Enterprise, I would get in the office at, the office didn't open up until like, I think it was eight. I'd be in there at like 6.30 in the morning. At one point I didn't leave. I literally slept on a inflatable mattress and just stayed there all night because I wanted to get ahead of what my boss was going to tell me to do right? Like you don't, I don't want to be yeah. told what to do. At, at some point I'm telling you what to do, right? <laughs> yeah. words, or I'm telling you what I've done. Right. So I did that at enterprise. I did that at, um, at my re- the recruiting company that I was working for, where I remember one time I looked at the clock when I got in the office, it was four 55 AM in the morning. And then I'd leave at like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. And there was so many reasons why I did that, but it was, I was motivated to, I don't want you hey jay did you make your calls hey jay did you do this i'm like yep i did that now i'm on to something else All right. like what else have yeah. for me and then and now i can manage up i can say hey you know what i need help with this is there any way you could do this like what do you i'm thinking about this and i had more credibility because they weren't talking to me about the stuff that they were talking to other people about right yeah but because i'm so motivated and so just driven to just you know get the job done so to speak i'm looking around going sitting in that office going okay so what are these what are, what are the assets that this company is really providing me Right, and yeah. at the end of the day, and I loved them all, right, but at the end of the day, it was a building that I'd have to go to every day. It was the computer that they provided me, the phone that was next to the desk, and they asked me to wear a tie every day. And I said, You know what, <laughs> like I can do this myself because I was on really 100% commission, anyways. I was finding my own business, I was finding my own candidates. So I was there for four years. I uh, wanted to get my 40,000 hours in, you know what I mean? Make sure I was an expert. Yeah, and then it was right, it was Malcolm Gladwell, or and then it was time yeah. to go, right, and then yeah. so
0: I went. Um, And started the J. David Group in 2011. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So there's a theme that you mentioned throughout, whether it was you know when you're going to be in the NBA, or you know at Enterprise, there's this drive. Like, where does that that drive come from? Because it's clear that like you're motivated to be successful, whatever it is that you're focused on. Where do you think that drive comes from?
1: Very simple, I think, because I am so introspective. It's that my so my parents got a divorce when I was. Five, right? So this was 1980. Okay. Okay. One I remember very distinctly sitting down with them at at, uh, the breakfast table. And for some reason I've always been motivated by money. Maybe because my mother was watching Dallas and Falcon Crest, which are these like late night soap operas, and all of them were rich on TV. And she was just (laughs) she would admire the homes and stuff that they were. And I would too. I'm looking, wow, these things are like beautiful homes and look at these people going, you know, they're wearing their suits and whatnot. But at the same time, I didn't want to work. And then I loved sports. So I remember asking them when I was five, I'm like, or maybe it was before. Yeah, I think my father would come to visit like the weekend visitation, right? To something like that. And I was like, well, who makes the most money in sports? Like baseball, basketball, football. At the time it was basketball. I think it's frankly, it still is. Yeah. So they were like, basketball, and I was it. I was driven, right? That's what I was going to do. But most importantly, to get to the psychology of my motivation, it was I wanted my dad to freaking like pay attention, like to notice me, right? Like, yeah. like if I could like make something of myself, if I could be big, right, in this world, he wasn't too far away, at least not in the beginning, he ended up okay. moving fairly really far when I was 11. But in the beginning, it was, you know, yeah, several miles, right? Um, but wasn't necessarily like there all the time. Like I'd be waiting at the back door for him to come on Saturdays wouldn't show up I'm like, Oh, like where's, you know, oh, that's my mother's like, Oh no, he'll he's, he's not coming. If he comes up, if he doesn't come after a certain time. So I was really driven by like, all right, I got to make something to myself so I can like get his attention. Right. And I didn't realize that at the time, I think as I became, became an adult and looking back at it, I'm going mm, like, that's what it, that's what it was. Right. Like I really yeah. wanted to get his attention. And I figured if I became a basketball player, professional basketball player, he'd be, oh boy, what I have as a tech. Cause that's what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, dad, like, yeah, see, I did it. I did it. I did it. Right. <laughs> so I think that's where it all comes from. And the funny thing is, is that <laughs> I noticed that I don't even know how many years ago. Right. It doesn't leave though. Right. In other words, it's, it's like, oh, okay. That's why I'm not, motivated. No, I'm not motivated anymore because I'm not worried about that part anymore. Like, which I'm not, <laughs> right? like I'm a dad, like I got, you know, all the other great stuff going on, but it just doesn't leave, right? I think it's kind of like a habit, right? It ends up getting baked in to you, and it just doesn't stop unless you actually are actively going to work to turn it off, right? But I don't want to turn it off. Like I'm just I'm motivated for all different types of re- I'm motivated yeah. in different reasons now, but that's why from the beginning why I wanted to be successful.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting, and you know I love the fact that you've taken the time to to like really introspect and figure out what it is that drives you because I don't think enough people do that. So yeah. how did you you said it took you some time to figure that out? Like what was the process to you, for you to figure out that that was your drive and motivation and like yeah, talk about that a little bit. You know, it's a good question. I don't know what the process was. I think I've always felt like
1: I remember in college I wrote this rap that started with I'll analyze life until I die till I meet the deceased who got shot by the piece. I don't know. And okay. I, the reason why that line starts off that way is because I'm always just analyzing stuff, right? I'm always just like looking okay. at life at a different angle, almost like I'm watching myself. I remember even telling my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and we've been together for close to 20 years, is that um, like I always envisioned myself being on 60 Minutes and then interviewing me and then or me and in, in, in going back to you know my childhood home or something like that or
0: yeah
1: or the start of a book starts off like my start the start of my book starts off with that I haven't written yet starts off with I always felt like I was different right and there's this thing that as I'm going as I started going through life and just I just started thinking about like why do you do the things that you do like, why? And probably now that I think about it, it's probably at like your worst moments, right? It's like the darkest sort of times where something yeah. wrong happened financially or something like that. And you going, oh, shit, like, well, what is it? Like, why? Like, I yeah. look, I look at like people in my family or people that I know who are the opposite, just flat out not motivated at all. But there's no real like, you know, pressure there. right? it's kind of like I'm looking going, you know what? Maybe that's not a bad way to be you know what I mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, yeah you know, like, you know it's like there's no like it's cool right they just get up they do the thing start the day they end the day and the next day it's the same and that's just it right you know so I think during those times I probably thought like okay like what's really going on here like why yeah. are you so motivated you know and that's what I come up with you know
0: gotcha no yeah it makes a lot of sense and what's interesting is that <laughs> the entrepreneurial piece came in the fact that you were really driven to be successful, but you didn't really want anyone telling you what to do. Like the paper route that lasted a day, the, the, the grocery, the grocery store, you uh, the cart buggy, guy buggy job that lasted a week. Um, and, and obviously what eventually led you to leave enterprise and also the uh, to, to start J David group. So like, what about, what about that piece of it? Like when you think about your entrepreneur entrepreneurial spirit, like, where does that, Um, play into to your story and specifically like how has it impacted you the thing about not being wanting to be told what to do is
1: there's a there's this word freedom that just keeps it's like a motif in my life right okay like I've got to be free yeah like my my universal symbol is the bald eagle well I guess it's the bald eagle it's the right I mean think about it it's it's our country right it's the symbol it's the symbol of the United States right and it's the home of the free right Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like everything that I do embodies that. Like, I don't ever want to be boxed into a role. <clears throat> okay. Or even, or even, even like, your perception of me. Okay. Right? I don't even want to be boxed into whatever perception you have of me, right? Because as soon as I feel like you have a perception of me, then I want to change it. Just, just, just for fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'll give you, like, I was in college. So, I played, uh, I, I did end up um, walking onto the team my sophomore year in college. And... So, you know, practice at seven o'clock in the morning um, yeah. for like two and a half hour and I had to get there early cause I was hurt, but I had a business class and I'd show up every, you know, it was like the first class of the day after practice and I'd show up in my sweatsuit because that's what I was wearing from the thing. And, you know,
0: yeah,
1: hoodie, you know, black guy, whatever the whole nine yards at a, at a mostly white school. And I'd sit in the back of the class and I was listening and I was taking notes and I was really interested in the class, got a really good grade, had a term paper, um, did really well in the term papers about crisis management. Actually, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and I turned it in. And he thought I plagiarized it. And I think he thought I plagiarized it because he was like, there's no way this guy could produce this. <clears throat> but I did. Right. And I like that. I like the fact that like, okay. you can look at me and think that like you, you here comes the underdog. Right. And then I just completely flip the script. And then all of a sudden, you're the underdog. Right. Like, <clears throat> I like that. I like that feeling. So as an yeah. entrepreneur, one of the things that I uh, I say is that like a I don't want to be boxing I want the freedom to, to control my own time to control my own money to control what I the way that I'm actually spending my time yeah um, and the other part of that that drives me to success is that when I look back at the bosses that I've had and I've had and I've been lucky enough to have you know good bosses right and I've always gotten along with them and, and you know I make it easy for them to get along with me frankly because it's not like I'm, <laughs> I'm showing up way before they are I'm leaving well, after they leave, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm working my butt off while I'm there, and I do it all with a smile on my face, right? Yeah. So although I've never want, I've never been a good employee. I've, I mean, never wanted to be an employee. I was a great employee, uh, and probably because I was a great teammate, I understood teamwork. I, you know, I played team sports since I was like seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but as a quote unquote boss, and I've managed people, and I've and and I've led people here um, at my company, not now, but um i want to be that inspirational um boss that says you know what like you don't have to be a jerk to lead like you don't have to be hard or tough or any of that stuff to to lead and to drive people to motivate and i figure the more success that i can acquire so to speak whatever that word means um then i have a higher perch if you will to shout from and say look the nice guys can do this too right right yeah nice guys can win too right you don't <laughs> have to be the jerk you can be the nice guy and still have it all you know and yeah that's what i try to teach my kids too
0: no i i love that and i think that's something that you know unfortunately it's the way that we portray sort of the successful people in society or the stories that you hear or the ones about you know and i'll use steve Jobs as, as an example he's not a very nice boss right, right. you know and um you know, I think that's really, that's really uh, an important thing that you're doing and, and focusing on that specifically. Um, you've done a lot of things, like even when getting into real estate, um, you mentioned starting a magazine, you mentioned like you just laid, laid down some bars, like, you know, where, where do all these interests come from? It sounds like you've just, you're just like interested in a lot of different things, like a lot of natural curiosity.
1: That's you just you just said the word right. It's it's curiosity and you know it's funny like so I have a, a seventy. My daughter will be seven in ten days. My son will be six next month. I'm sorry, he'll be five next month. And I, I've I've had a very I, I I mean I'm extremely passionate obviously about them. But I was I was listening to my daughter ask my me a question the other day, and my wife asked uh, she asked my wife a question. And then my wife asked her a question like, well, you know, why, why are you asking these questions or something like that? And she, my daughter was like, I don't know. And I looked at my daughter and say, tell mommy, you want to ask those questions because you want to know the answers. <laughs> <Right>? it's, <laughs> it's just that it's just that simple, right? Like you just yes. and, and I want to make sure that I, you know, to nurture that curiosity. And I think part of it is because, um, you know, there's only like, you know, I know this, you, you're, you're, you know, you, you have the, the fintech focus here and we'll, and we'll get into that. But I think for me, time is more valuable than money in a lot of different ways. And I feel like I, I want to use up my time on earth and every single moment, um, not wasting it, right? Exploring, yeah. right? Like figuring out, um, not accepting that something is broken and just because something's broken, it can't be fixed. Yeah. Right. Um, or, or, you know, it's it's that whole mentality of, and, you know, and, and I want to teach my kids this, it's not necessarily you know, and I have taught my kids this, it's not necessarily like, I can't, it's how can. You know what I mean? Like, how can I? Not, oh, I can't, it's how can I do this? Like, how can this be done, right? And that's just always how I've been. So if I, so for instance, if I want to, if I want passive income, right? There's all different types Mm -hmm. of ways you can build passive income. My answer is real estate, right? And if the answer is real estate, then that's what I'm going to do. Right. There's not going to be like, Oh, I don't have time. I don't have money. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have it. No, you just acquire the things that I just rattled off. And then you just go do the thing that you wanted to do. Right. Um, if you like the magazine yeah. really, it was just, you're incentivized by meeting women to be honest with you, <laughs> like, you know? like, let's do a magazine. That's kind of like, we'll put beautiful women on the cover and then the inside will be for the guys, right? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> and actually the yeah. outside's for the guys, right? So that's what that was all about. But at the same time, yeah, we wanted to make it big. We printed 10,000 copies. We were hustling around Boston. I had, you know, one of my best friends and I were, were doing it. We we're handing out the, you know, just trying to drive demand, whatever the whole nine yards. Um, we printed a second issue, but then we ran out of money. Um, Cause we you know, we were just funding it by our credit cards, whatever the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so, the, the the creative side of me right is just always it's just present no matter what right so when you talk about the hip-hop and those types of things right i'm so fascinated by the language right i'm just so fascinated by yeah the w- words and how people construct metaphors and just sort of everything that involve involves that stuff right that's why I like um even like just writing sales copy to me is fun, right? Like sending an email, that's like a craft for me. Like I labor over it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Just everything, even just surrounding my podcast, like every little word, like the titles, everything matters to me, right? It always has. And so that's sort of where all that comes from. It's like, if it can be done, like if it's in my mind, like like I always say I have an allergic reaction to not taking action. Right, so I can't necessarily have something sit there and then not do something about it. Right now, it might yeah. not work, but I'm at least going to try it. And then, doesn't work? Yeah. Cool, I tried that, and I'll move on. Right, and that's and that's just how I've always been.
0: Yeah, you know? no, I I love that. Um, just following your interests, passions, try it, and that uh, yep. uh, allergic to inaction, take action. Allergic to inaction. It's yeah, great, great, great motivation and just motto to have. Yeah, uh, why don't we? pivot into J. David Group. So you um, end up leaving, starting J. David. What's been that process like building it up?
1: So I started the J. David Group in two th- March, on March 14th, 2011. I remember it vividly because I actually, in order to leave the previous company, I, you know, and there was a, a year non-compete and so what I decided to do with that year, at least I thought I was going to do, is um, I was going to work for a different firm. It was an executive search firm, really boutique executive search firm, So somebody, by the right. way, speaking of bosses, who was easily the worst boss, and I'll even say one of the worst human beings I've ever encountered in my life. Um, we won't go any wow. more yeah. personal than that. <laughs> um, but um, I basically <laughs> only lasted there for about 90 days. Um, by the way, okay. closed, what I needed to close right because I, I committed I'm like okay cool we're looking for a VP of product I did that I said listen after I'm done with this I'm out we're like and ice I'm not doing it anymore yeah and that was that so that was on March 11th is when I said peace to him and I was already setting all the stuff up on the back end right website the whole nine yards and then March 14th it was time right yeah on compete was still in place um unemployment rate was 9.5 percent um okay that, that's gonna look like great in a couple of months <laughs> now right oh, yeah. um but when i started but you know before all this covid thing you, just to put it in perspective the unemployment rate was somewhere around 3.4 percent right so anyways yeah. when i started the unemployment rate was 9.5 percent i remember telling my my fiance i don't know yeah well, i guess we were uh engaged at the time and my fiance i told her i said um here's the deal and Rocky's my favorite movie all the rockies especially rocky four but i'm like listen. Yeah we were living in an apartment at the time. I go, we're going to have to have a Rocky Adrian conversation in the reverse. Like I'm coming to you and I just want to put this all out there. And here's the deal. Like we, we weren't married yet. Right. We were, were refusing to put the, the, the wedding on, on credit cards. We wanted to pay it all cash. We needed money to go on the honeymoon. We wanted to buy a house, whatever, all happening within like the next year. I mean, yeah, I, listen, I quit that job three months before our wedding and all, and it wasn't not not all the money (laughs) was in the bank. All right. So <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> yes, in the okay. wasn't in the bank and we weren't putting on credit cards. And it was a New Jersey wedding. It cost like over thirty thousand dollars, whatever, the whole nine. So I was like, here's the deal. Um I'm going to be fighting the world right now. I'm going to be fighting that guy that I just left. I'm going to be fighting the demons that of the company that I had a great run with. And they're going to be like, what a jerk. I can't believe, oh, not a jerk, but like, why would he leave this such a great opportunity? Like, I don't understand that he's making the wrong move. I had to fight that negative energy. I had to yeah. fight my competition. I had to fight any self-doubt that I was going to creep into my mind. And I said to my wife, Carrie, I was like, the one thing that I don't want to fight is your um, fear, if you will. Right. Like your trepidation about what, what I'm going to embark upon. Yeah. So you, I need you to know that everything is going to be okay. We'll figure it out. I'll work it out. We'll be fine. And I'm telling you, man, like, I don't know what it is about me when I'm in the eye of the storm, but the last thing I am is afraid or stressed. I'm just not. I'm just I just that's just not my personality. I don't know what it is. It has something to do with my upbringing. Um, but I wasn't scared. I wasn't stressed. I just went about my business. And I had two contacts initially. Actually, one of them was um, one of my good my wife's good friends from high school. Her her husband was a VP of sales at a consulting firm. Okay. And he needed salespeople. And a matter of fact, there's a copy of the check right behind me in that little
0: <laughs> in that frame, yeah. In
1: that, in that $7,800 was the first check that I got on June 1st, 2011. And then somebody else that was a candidate of mine at the previous company that I needed to have the, that I had the, the non-compete with, became a client at just some other company that didn't interfere with my non-compete. And he was like, hey, we need salespeople. Can you help us? I'm like, yeah. So I started recruiting for those two people, literally like on March 14th, like the first day. So then it was like, okay, now I gotta go find these candidates. And I just worked and worked and worked and worked and found them. And so it's funny, man, like looking back at it, it's like to think that, and sometimes I'll remind my wife of this too. It's like, you realize that I've been on 100% commission for nine years running. Like there's just, there's no, yeah, it's just, it's just all out there. Right. Just, just, just finding the money. So I had this vision when I first started that I was going to build it to something scalable, right? I was going to scale it up. And I was going to build it to a certain revenue number. And then that, and then I was going to sell it for a multiple. A, it was going to be a 4X multiple, right? Four or 5X multiple, right? I okay. studied all the stuff that I needed to study, figured all this stuff out. Um, and so I had four or five people um, reporting to me here. I had an offshore team of about eight people. So I had like 12 people sort of um, rolling up to me, had an office. But the challenge was is that people weren't running as fast as I wanted them to run, essentially, right? Some, yeah. were, some were, and we just and we were doing okay, but not as well as I, I didn't, I, I envisioned that if I could do a certain deliver a certain revenue personally, Yeah. all I needed was four or five other people to do the same thing that I was doing. That would hit our, that would get us to the revenue goal that I wanted
0: Yeah. that would get me to
1: my multiple because of my right brain personality. At some point I knew I would be bored and I was like, okay, cool. Let me move on to do something else. Right. Um, yeah. and so that didn't happen. I had uh, some people left on their own. Some, some people I had to talk to and say, you know what, it's probably isn't a good thing. Um, and then I realized at the end of the day, this is like literally within the last like year or so. Yeah. Because it was somebody else that was just my right, my right arm. And he was fantastic. This guy, Sonny, um, who did a great job, but I was like, he ended up going on the corporate side of recruiting, really working for a company. Yeah. We had a, we had a bad year. And, uh, I said, you know what, it just doesn't, it's not worth the effort to to build something up and have personnel and have people managing, uh, have people having people to manage because it doesn't necessarily even fit with who I am at, at the core, even though yeah. I like to lead and inspire, it doesn't really free me up to do to, There's that word free, right? Yeah. Now all of a sudden my time isn't necessarily mine. It's like, okay, what's this person doing? What's this person doing? And so yeah. that's why I decided to scale it all back and then just, and then ha- have it be me, you know?
0: Yeah no that's awesome that's awesome and it's interesting to go through that progression where you're like all right i'm going to definitely sell this thing this is the game plan and then you know throughout the years learning what you like what you don't like what works for you i mean i think that's you know that's incredible to have that self-awareness and then also be able to like make that pivot that's right really impressive so how did that exactly happen like at what point were you like okay this just isn't working because obviously on the employee side. You you use the term unboss yourself. So you were un, unboss yourself. You were in at four, five, six in the morning, and and then you know manager comes in later, and you're still there when they leave at nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So is that sort of like what happened in reverse? If that makes sense.
1: You know, I'd like to say that was um, sort of strategic, if you will. Okay. <clears throat> but it really wasn't. It was almost like um, a death of a thousand cuts. You know, <laughs> okay. it was just kind of like you know I could feel. and i'm bad at breaking up too by the way right like i'm just not not, (laughs) i don't think i i don't think i literally i don't think i i think i broke up once with one girlfriend ever i didn't have that many by the way but and even that was even that like was because we were going to college frankly and like it was kind of like it was kind of the out it wasn't you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) so even that wasn't so rough right yeah so when i've had people on my team it was kind of like um you know, maybe they'll just asphyxiate themselves, right? Like maybe they'll stop <laughs> making money, they'll realize that it's time to go, who knows? Um, but I think for me, it was like I, the love just wasn't there anymore, you know? It was okay. just kind of like, I didn't have the same energy. I didn't look forward to, you know, doing my craft and working and that type of stuff, right? Because I, yeah. I felt like I was just too much pulling people along to sort of get them to to go to certain places and into to work to a certain level or to focus on certain things you know and and then so that's one part of it like just the human part of it and the struggle the other side of it i think too is just um like financially right like i'm looking and going we're making all this money but then i'm paying it all and by the way everybody was for the most part except for the people that were on shore offshore which i was paying hourly everybody was basically on a 100 commission right so it wasn't like i was paying them necessarily like they were just essentially paying themselves right which because I I'm a risk taker, but I didn't want to necessarily. I can risk and put money and invest money in process and systems and stuff like that and software yeah. and technology. I can't. I, I, I was reluctant to risk it in 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 human effort, I guess, if you will, right? Because I wasn't really sure yeah. what the outcome was going to be.
0: Sure.
1: Um, but I was paying for all of their you know software licenses and. Um, yeah. And, and frankly, their support, their offshore support, like I was paying humans to basically help my other humans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I had it as a two to one ratio. That's why there were eight people offshore and, and four people onshore. Yeah. And so I was supporting people that I didn't really feel like I needed to that. I was really inclined to support in, in some cases, you know. OK. Um. And so that's what it was. And then some people just it wasn't for them. And, you know, what they yeah. even before I even like i wanted them on my team and they yeah. always happens that way to write the best people but you know it wasn't necessarily for them or it's in one instance this one woman started her own um you know recruiting thing which was interesting it only lasted a year but that's another the story but um yeah so it's um so there was just all different types of reasons but like i said it was really just like a, it wasn't really one strategic thing that i was like okay this is this is yeah. this is happening it just sort of petered out on its own and then i made the strategic decision to not build anything back up right to not to necessarily go and look for yeah. other people, one other thing too that I guess I'll say that I think you'll find interesting. I'm not sure if we talked about this offline or not, but <clears throat> because I have such a an itch for just doing things, yeah. um, and I mentioned that I'm um, you know like e- writing emails for me is a, is a is really a craft and an art and stuff when I'm writing sales messaging. So mm-hmm. I followed that sort of thread, if you will. And while all of this was going on, recruiting and building my all, all the J David Group, I actually created a software tool. <laughs> <laughs> um, called it was called Email Force at first. It, I changed it to follow up fuel, um, frankly, because uh, there was just a fight uh, over uh, the people that I ended up launching it with. It ended up being a disaster, but I had to rebrand it in the whole on Yards. And we did an affiliate, um, you know, we launched with an affiliate strategy. I got over 2,000 customers, um, within like five and a half days. You know, grossed, wow, yeah, I mean, grossed over a hundred thousand dollars in five days. I had you know, uh, but basically it was, um, it was a follow-up, um, it, it was basically email templates for online marketers, for digital marketers, right? People that are yeah. you know p- driving ads to landing pages and selling eBooks and digital solutions and those types of things, right? Online courses. And so all, all this was going on in the J. David group. I was spending, I mean, I wasn't sleeping at some points. I was up hours and hours just like working, building this thing, like paying developers and, ux guys and you know all over the you know the world basically and and just trying there was so many different versions of it and spending a whole bunch of money on it and like starting over and then spending more money and then starting over again and you know trying to find my niche in the whole nine yards and that went on literally for like three years right while i was still running the j david group right um and then at the end of the day i realized it just wasn't worth it from a from an economics perspective it was like wait a minute when i look at time for dollars it's like what I'm doing now is is the you know founder of the Jay David Group and, and recruiting the way I do, it's just exponentially different. Um, yeah. But so that's one of those things where I got an itch and I was like, okay, well, you know what? If I want to create this thing, I'm not letting anything getting my way. I'll just create it, right? So I called up developers, <laughs> called, you know, just was on it. Called up copywriters, um, the whole nine yards, and just sort of figured it out.
0: That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Being able to to balance juggle those two things and like build a tool like that that, that has that sort of just instantaneous success in yeah. one respect is pretty incredible. Yeah.
1: Exhausting too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. So, Jay, how do you define success? Like what does success look like for you?
1: Good question. Um, it's funny. I remember I came up with a definition for success when I was in college. I think I was a sophomore in college and success to me then still remains the same now which is that finding something i love to do while having the reverence of others for doing it right okay for really loving what i'm doing and then having people admire me frankly for doing it right that's is, is this sort of hokey as that sounds to me, it's really very simple, right? Because if I'm not doing that, then I'm not successful. I don't define it by a certain amount of money in the bank. I don't define it by certainly material things like houses and cars or vacations. Um, and I guess to go to take that a step further, I will mm-hmm. say that it is um, being able to essentially do whatever I want with my time and have there be no detriment. whatever that is that i'm spending my time doing so for instance like if i want to just go downstairs right now and play basketball with my kids there's not going to be any financial impact calamity on that at all right i'm not going to get fired i'm still going to be able to pay the bills like you know everything's good right um and so for me if i could live the rest of my life in that way right without having the fear that whatever, I'll, however I'm spending my time, whatever it is that I'm doing in any moment is going to be to the detriment of something else financially or otherwise, like losing, you know, the big things like the house and all that stuff, then to me, that's the definition of success.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like that. And it, it, it ties back into what you were saying about the drive, right? You said that, you know, when you were five years old, you wanted to become a an NBA star because you wanted you wanted your dad's attention and that was important and getting that reverence, that admiration. It it makes sense. Good
1: point. Yeah. There's no question. There's no question. It's like, you know what? Look at me. I'm happy. I'm doing it. You can do it (laughs) too. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, speaking of that, if someone wanted to follow in your footsteps, they had similar drive, um, wanted to start their own thing. What advice would you give to someone that was just starting out?
1: Somebody that's just starting out the, and I tell my little brother this all the time. Is that um, you have to really learn as much as you possibly can about whatever it is that you want to learn about, right? Okay. But you don't want to get, you don't want to learn so much that you're not doing anything, right? Like you want to. Uh, what I, I, I have an acronym for that. This is called L A I D. Lead, right? And it's learn, act, iterate, and duplicate. Right. And what I mean by that is that you learn whatever it is you want to learn. As soon as you learn just even one little piece, then go act on that little piece, whatever it might be. Yeah. Right. Um, if it's if it's writing email, learn how to write an email. OK. Or, or what's like great subject lines, let's just say, or headlines or something like that. Right. Then just go and send out that email with the subject lines and start testing them out. Right. Yeah. If it's buying a house with no money down, buying real estate with no money down. Right learn whatever that is right and there's a lot of different ways right learn whatever that is and then go do it you don't need any money to do it right that's the whole yeah. thing right <laughs> so yeah. so it's like what else are, what are you waiting for the only other obstacle in that case i guess is time and knowledge right
0: yeah. So, if
1: you feel like you don't have enough knowledge get it but don't wait too long because you're really going to learn while you're acting um because that's how i learn best is to act right it's it's i'm a glutton for punishment in that way because i learn a lot and it's a lot of failure that happens that way but you end up you know learning right that's yep. the ultimate goal right and then iterate because once you've acted and you realize that you've screwed up or something didn't go as planned right then you're going to change it like okay well what else is what did i just do wrong there how am i going to let me analyze this let me look at it really click carefully i'm not going to do that anymore here's what i did right and i'm going to go build on that and that's really the, the duplicate part to its relative, right as soon as you figure out yeah what you've done right then you want to duplicate it like so for instance going back to the people that i uh had on my team for the j david group I learned when it was just me, the first thing I was going to do was I was going to document all the the process, the processes that I was going through, right? Like the tools that I was using, um, how long it would, I would literally know like how long it would take me to find somebody on LinkedIn and then put them into the applicant tracking system. It was something like six minutes or something like that. Right. Um, I knew the analytics behind how many um, new candidates I needed to put into the system and then how many candidates I needed to send an email to in order to hit the other metrics that were important to me, right? To get the send outs, to get the interviews, to get the hires, right? Yeah. And so once I figured all that out and I used tools to do that, right? Analytics tools and all this other stuff. And once I figured that out, then I was duplicating it, right? I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know I'm going to put Sonny in the same position. I'm going to give him the same information and then I'm going to give him to support. So if, 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 so if 40 was, was a minimal number, then then we needed 80 in order to do 80. So Sonny could focus on whatever he's really good at. And I'm going to have the VA's focus on just the sourcing to funnel all the information into Sunny. And so basically, I just duplicated that over and over and over yeah. again. Right. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, there's bottlenecks in that, which is why I'm not sitting on some sort of like huge organization right now. Right. But yeah. the point is, is that that's what I advise people to do, which is just to not just sit there and and obsessively learn, like learn, but then act on it and then figure it out from there. And then just one other strategic point that I guess I'll make is that I feel like a lot of people are afraid to start and do something, especially if it's starting their own business, right? Real estate and investing is something different. But um, when it comes to starting your own business and doing your own thing, yeah, and a lot of people will start off by offering some sort of a professional service, right? Because it's, you're not really going, you know, maybe people aren't building a technology or maybe they don't have enough money to pay for the technology to be built and maybe they're not gonna raise money. So they're gonna offer some sort of professional service, let's just say, but whatever it is, even if, you, if you're if you selling technology, great. Um, but i heard darmesh shah one of the you know the co-founder of hubspot say many many years yeah. ago that if he was starting out a business and i still think this applies and frankly speaking of podcasts this is this this is this plays right into it which yeah. is to start a a blog right or start a podcast or so start something where you're publishing on a regular basis to people who want to know about whatever the subject matter is that you are an expert on that you want to start um, yeah. monetizing, right? And if you do that for, and he said, do it for a year. So what you're doing that for a year and you're building up your audience while you're doing that, and let's say if at the end of the year you have maybe, I don't know, maybe you have a thousand people on an email list or something like that, right? And you yeah. have, one, let's say 100 of those people are engaged, or maybe even 50 of those people are engaged more likely, right? And let's just say that out of those 50, you get a couple of customers as a result of that, right? That's enough really to make you feel comfortable that A, you have a a a solution that people are showing va- that they see value in, right? Yeah. And that they're willing to pay. Right. So you validated your your hypothesis, I guess, if you will, in terms of what you were going to sell and take to market. You have money yeah. in the you have money in the bank as a result of that. And then you feel a little bit better about, okay, now I can go out and I can duplicate what I just did. So now it's not just 1000 people on my email list it's 2000 people and so forth and all of a sudden before you know it you have a real business and that doesn't mean that you go out and quit your job until you're you know until you're you know that you're in a sustainable um, place and that's what i would do right don't be afraid. learn act iterate duplicate and then also build up your your business just by um, publishing information on multimedia and then you'll realize, okay, is this, nobody's engaging, you don't have a business, right? Yeah. Um, and nobody's buying, you don't have a business. And keep going until maybe you figure it out and you find something else. Or maybe you pivot and you go do something
0: else. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you could have the best product in the world, but if no one's interested in it or doesn't know about it, it doesn't matter. Um, right. And so right. spending that, that year really honing your messaging and all that stuff makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Love That's right. that. That's right. How would you describe your relationship with money, Jay? elusive.
1: No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every time I want more, it moves. Um, I think my relationship with money is, um, it's it's risky. <laughs> what, right? say? What, I, what I mean by that like is, is that like, I, I'll put a lot of um, money at risk to see if it comes back, right? Or and or, or in, in wait for it to come back, right? So what I mean by that is that I'm frugal when it comes to consuming things. Right? like you see so yeah. here's a piece of a um bose headphones that <laughs> i got many years ago and probably like seven or eight years ago that i spent three hundred dollars for and it was a painful three hundred dollars that i spent but i rationalized it by saying well if i have it for 10 years it's like 30 dollars a year right uh, i didn't quite get to 10 years um but you know it's it's it served the purpose and i'll spend money on utility Rather than anything else, right? So I just okay. spent over fifteen hundred dollars on a basket, an in-ground basketball hoop, right? Why? Well, because it's utility to me for any number of different reasons, right? Um yeah. and, it'll, and it'll be here with the house forever. It's not going anywhere, right? Yeah. And and I need my kids to have something else to do. They like basketball because I love basketball, and we all love basketball, and that's something to do. But I will refuse to go out and spend money on I don't know anything else really, like 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 clothes or you know, anything like car, like fancy cars or just vacations, all that stuff just doesn't. So I love money, right? In relationship with money is I love money right? <laughs> yeah, and I love it so much that sometimes you put it out there to risk, which is why I invest in real estate. Some real estate has worked out. Some real estate has not worked out. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess my, the shorter answer is I love money, but I, I, I will certainly, I'm not afraid to risk it either.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting though, because you mentioned risk, but at the same time, there's an opportunity. As you said, there's utility, there's a potential return, and in some respect, is that more risky or less risky than just buying some sort of consumable product that you don't really care about?
1: Yeah, the funny thing is is that I do think it's more risky. <laughs> because, okay, okay. Because here's why. Because I've thought about this a lot. Okay, okay. And the re the, here, here's why. Because buying a consumer product, again, going back to like that uncle who you know nine to five, whatever. It's kind of like. Once you buy that consumer product, it's over with. You don't even remember how much you paid for it. I do, because I'm frugal, right? So <laughs> yeah. you know? but, it's like, um, but you don't really think about, like my wife wouldn't, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you don't think about how much you've paid for it. And once you've paid for it, as long as you're not putting on credit cards though, of course, well, if you don't put everything on credit cards, then of course it's going to add up. But if you're just buying yeah. it, it's a one-off thing. Um, then that's it, it's done. If you make a bad investment, like real estate, and you end up losing that investment, that's something that you think about and stays with you for a long period of time.
0: True. Right.
1: Um, so that's why,
0: you know, okay. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. Speaking of investments, what would you say is the best investment that you've made?
1: Um, best investment i made was probably the two family house that I bought about a mile from where we live now um in 2014 and i say it was the best investment because it was the house i grew up in um my late great aunt who bought it for my mother two months before i was born in 1975 um for like just under $60,000, left it to my mother <clears throat> mm-hmm. um my mother and i anticipated this that she was going to sell it right she shouldn't yeah. have in my opinion but she was going to sell it and she was she was like and she, and she was going to wholesale it like she was going to sell it at wholesale not retail this is 2014. yeah so i'm like okay um i decided to buy it with my wife and um it was the best investment we've ever made um because it's just you know i mean we're talking value the value is just it's 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 it, i'm laughing basically yeah outside and outside it's just amazing right and it wasn't a family discount either by the way i mean she sold it to me what she was going to sell it to the wholesale guy for <laughs> um just just out, out of a lack of knowledge more than anything yeah. I just thought of a lack of knowledge and and okay cool um so yeah that I'd say that was the the best investment and in, in, in the house that we bought here as well I think my own house I think was a really good investment too as well but I think that had that wasn't that was more of just timing and and uh that type of thing I guess although you know what I'm gonna give myself a little bit more credit than that because I think that the real estate that I bought in the past informed me of Really, what to focus on, where to look, and the right, right questions to ask, and then how to negotiate because we did have to negotiate. Yeah. Um, my real estate agent thought my offer was like she didn't want to make it, and and I made it. Um, they didn't accept it, but they accepted something much less than what was what was going to happen. You know. So sure. Let's yeah. say those are my best investments. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Do you mind sharing some of the things that you learned specifically through the real estate that you bought previously?
1: Yeah. So just one simple thing is that, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're walking through a house, so some of the houses that I bought in the past were basically like, I, uh, like pre foreclosure where I had to do a short set, I had to do a short sale or the person had to do the short sell it to me. Right. And I had to do all the paperwork negotiating with Countrywide. It was like painful. I'm not a paperwork person at all. I hate it. I detest it. So I was just bad. It was like, you know, thick, 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 (laughs) thick, like bureaucracy. Right. Yeah. Um, but asking questions, just asking a simple question like "Why is the house for sale?" I mean, that right there. When we bought this house, the house was for sale because the people were going through a divorce. Now, in my mind, because of all the stuff that I had learned in the past, I knew that that meant that you know, financially, and you know, right from your own personal experience, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Financially, like there's something happening here, and there's room for a buyer to, you know, m- you know, alleviate your immediate pain and get a deal at the same time, right? And yeah. so that something that simple happened but then also because i grew up in this city i knew where the neighborhoods were that i wanted to live in there was really only two neighborhoods or areas of the city that i really desired to live in yeah. right for several reasons and so i focused on that i knew what size house i wanted i knew just everything about that um and that, and so just in and again going back just from my own real estate experience knowing what to be looking for i think is more than half the battle you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then knowing the market. Um, so those types of things. And then lastly, not being afraid to make a lower, like the coast, you know, I, I was, the offer was $50,000 less than what they were asking basically, you know? Yeah. Most people think that's insulting, like my real estate agent, my wife, whatever, but the whole nine but they can just say no, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did. And we met, you know, ended up with $25,000 less, but which was unheard of, I mean, for the longest time. Right. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah, that's, that, those are the two main things that I think that, that I learned and I learned from a lot of my mistakes too as well, which is, yeah.
0: you know, well, speaking of mistakes, what's, uh, you know, dumbest money mistake that you've made in the past.
1: How about buying a house sight unseen about 1200 miles away?
0: <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, that's pretty risky.
1: Yeah, it was just—it was easily the dumbest mistake I ever made um, financially. And and that going back to my dad, right? So my dad was yeah. living. So remember I said my father lived. He moved far away when I was eleven. Yeah, so he did. He moved from Boston to Atlanta, um, or Marietta, but you know it's a suburb of of, yeah. of Atlanta, and for for work essentially. And um, so I think, and maybe this comes into what I was saying about like what motivates me and whatever, but. He was down there and he's really handy, right? He was essentially yeah. turning apartments and turning houses, fixing up kitchens and baths and stuff like that. And found a house that was inexpensive, right? I was living up here in Boston. I didn't have enough money to buy investment property up here. Bought it down there for like $72,000 or something like that, which is so much less expensive. It was two bedroom, one bath and it, needed, yeah. and it needed work. So I was like, okay, cool dad, I'll buy it. I think it was 25, something like that, right? bought it, didn't see it. He faxed me a picture of it basically from the, from the <laughs> station, Right. And I was like, yeah. And I trusted him. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, long story short, we put somebody in there. Um, I mistakenly just like an idiot. I didn't know why I did this, but I, I, they were renting it for like $600 a month randomly when it was up. I'm like, hey, let's just raise it to 650 or 700. They're like, we're out of here. So I'm like, Oh no, no, I have a vacant property down there. I don't know what to do with it. So I put my sister in it. My sister, whatever you see from me, Like do the 180. That's my sister. Right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 180. Right. So seven years, seven and a half years or so she was in there. Didn't pay me at all. No rent, no rent money. Right. Nothing, not a dime. So I was just paying a mortgage (laughs) on that place. Right. Meanwhile, the property was devaluing because, because she was just destroying it right with her kids and just her abusive boyfriend or whatever. Right. It was just a mess to the point where I went down there Um, And I'd been down there, you know, obviously periodically throughout the years. But at one point at the end, I had to go down there and they were living in squalor. I mean, it was bad. There was no electricity going to the place anymore because they weren't paying for it anymore Um, because her, her man was, was, was handy. He was able to rig it so that the electric would work. But then they took the box off the house. I mean, it 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 was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was bad. It was really, really bad. Wow. Um, And I eventually, um, this is, again, I was, um, this was around 2008, 2009. At some point I said, all right, like I had been with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time for about seven and a half years or something like that. Knew she wanted to get married. I was finally starting to come around to the fact that okay, maybe I should want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> and and part of the reason why I was taking so long is because I, if I was going to take all these financial risks, I didn't want to come down like you know you, you're per- with yeah. your, your your parents right. With the, I didn't want if we were if we were to get a divorce, I didn't want it to be about money, right? That was yeah. just the one thing that wasn't going to be about right. It could be about anything else. Wasn't going to be about money. And so I was just like, nope, until I get my stuff together, I'm not, not, I'm not doing it. Right. So then finally I was like, all right, I think it's time, but I had to let this house go. So I'm like, all right, I'm not paying, I'm not paying the mortgage anymore. I'm just going to let it go. And I was racking up credit card debt too at the time because I was spending all my money trying to fix up the house. Right. Like something simple, like getting the appliance, like buying appliances and, you know, getting the house, just a mess. Right. Yes, my father's handy, but did he do anything to the house? No, just didn't do anything, right? Just because he because he knew he, I wasn't gonna pay him and he had other paying paying gigs Thank that he yeah. had, right? So it just, it didn't work. So I had to let it go, went to foreclosures back in like 2010. And so that's my point when I was saying earlier yeah. about like learning from your mistakes. It's like, you know, sometimes the best investments are the investments that you don't make, right? Um, yeah. And I made that investment and I ended up, you know, talking about like, we were talking about like, what's more risky, right? That's something that I paid for over and over and over again with high interest rates and not being able to buy more stuff. And, you know, so all those things really are, it was, it was, it was, it was painful, you know?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, thanks for opening up about that. I mean, definitely, uh, uh, you know, a a learning lesson and I'm glad that you've been able to apply that and and into your future stuff, but definitely painful for sure. And my wife has much better credit than I do. So that helps. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good.
0: Uh, so, Jay, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing everyday Americans when it comes to finances? I think it's
1: something that's not as direct as as a as a, as a money answer, but I think it's okay. really about a, a mentality, which is discipline. You know, yeah. I think that a lot of people spend money that they don't have or spend money before they get it um i think that i've been um uh, caught up in that too like for instance just as that house like was it really the right time to buy that house probably not you know looking back yeah um you know was it the even even um even investing in the software that i was telling you about before and it wasn't a whole heck of a lot of money but you know still i was spending money putting money on my credit cards because i was using the cash from the j david group just to to yeah. live and you know just So to, to go on with our lives. Right. And I wasn't going to raise money for that because I just don't want to do that. Right. It's almost like having a boss to me in a way. Right. So I'm just like, I'll just put it on credit cards. And I did. But was that the right thing to do? In other words, should I have just waited to, um, in other words, should I have just taken money from the J David group, which I was, I was using money from the J David group as well, but should I use money for the J David group, set it aside and then, Spend money on this, invest in the software and all of that other stuff, but I wasn't. I was putting it on credit cards. And that can be really stressful when it's like, okay, well, when does the money start to come in? Right. And yeah. it didn't come in at the end. Then I just had to start using this money to pay off the credit cards. Right. And I think that's part of my, even though I'm frugal when it comes to business and risk, it's, 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 I'm impatient with success in some, in some ways. So even if I don't have all the money in the bank, let's just say at yep. the time, it's like, you know what, this is an investment. I'll spend the money because I know I believe that you know on my sales ability, my marketing ability, that this will start rolling back in as well. Anyways, yeah. um, so it's not that that big of a deal. But I think when it comes to consumerism, I think a lot of people where they get in trouble is they see something, and they want something, whether it's a, like we were going to buy a $5,000 dog. I'll just say this right before the coronavirus, <laughs> right? Like we were leaning towards it, right? Um, or starting to do the research, the Burma doodle, right? which was a combination of a, Bur- a Burmese mountain dog and a poodle, right? Okay. The reason for it is we had a dog for 16 years. My, I t- my, told my daughter three years ago that when she was seven, that we would get her a dog. Okay, fine. Great. Um, and, but my wife is is um doesn't want to clean up all the fur and we needed a dog that doesn't shed, right so this particular dog based on their demeanor and all the research we did was the dog that you know there was consensus right i didn't care i'd get any dog but my wife wanted this (laughs) dog right and then my daughter ended up wanting this dog and then when the coronavirus hits i go okay like could we buy it yes still yeah we could but is it smart no right so i'm like okay we're gonna hold off on that right let's just not do it we were gonna go to disney world like we were literally probably like a week or two away from plunking down over ten thousand dollars to go to disney world sometime in the fall right yeah we had a, a family over previously who had gone to disney world they're experts on it whatever the whole nine yards and you know carrie and i were like okay should we do it like are we ready and i'm like yeah might as well let's just do it blah 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 blah, blah. and then all of a sudden this hit and i go let's hold on right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i mean by the discipline right in other words Financially, as it exists in this moment, could we do that? Yes, of course. We could buy the dog. We could buy a Disney World. Whatever. The whole nine yards, right? But is it actually? Does it really need to happen now? And in the answer is no, right? I mean, yeah. Again, I don't know when this thing's going to turn around from a headhunting perspective, right? Like companies aren't hiring at nearly the rate they were hiring before, right? Like my business is really quiet, and because I've had so many ups and downs, I've been smart enough to to, to basically put myself in a position where okay, fine. Two or three quarters goes by and I don't make any more money. Okay. That's fine. Like, I'm cool with that. Like nothing's going to change. Right. But if it's four quarters, five quarters, then it's like six quarters, right? Then what are we going to do? we got to start selling investment property. We got to tap into real like savings, like all the other yeah. things. And I just don't want to do that. Right. And so that's what I mean by discipline. Like you just have to be disciplined and tell yourself, no. And yeah. I think a lot of times people make the mistake of spending money before they have it. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, they're in this big credit card Calamity, and it's hard to get out of unless you're a really good salesperson. Because I've been in like these situations where, oh my god, I got so much debt. But because I've I've always been able to sell myself, sell my way out of like I literally generate whatever the income is needed to get myself back to wherever I need to be and go from there.
0: You know? Yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's yeah. That's that's awesome that you've been able to do that. You've been able to use your your skills, your sales skills, to be able to to get yourself out of the situations. But yeah, I mean, the discipline piece is 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 key is key with finances it's key with with everything right yeah, absolutely That's so. right. yep it is everything right i mean running the business starting
1: the business like thinking like everything looking for a job like everything is discipline and if you're not ready to put in if you don't have that discipline it's gonna be really really tough yeah
0: absolutely well jay this has been a lot of fun i really appreciate you sitting down and telling your story um <laughs> done some incredible things and I, uh, I love some of the the things that you said, like laid and using some of these different, uh, different, uh, philosophies and applying it to your life. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. This has been great. I love, I love, um, sitting on the other side of the mic and <laughs> telling my story. So yeah, a different, a different it. feeling, isn't it? Yeah, that's
1: right. It is. It is.
0: So Jay, I'll leave you with the last word um, and please tell the audience how they can uh, find you, subscribe to the podcast, if they are looking for salespeople or they are a salesperson looking for a uh, career change. Yeah, please sure. uh, take the floor.
1: Absolutely. So they can find me on LinkedIn. Of course, it's under J-A-Y web with two Bs. Um, you can also, um, if you want to schedule a call and just talk, um, it's you can use, either use two, two pages. You can go to the jdavidgroup.com forward slash hiring if you're looking to to hire great talent or go to the jdavidgroup.com forward slash looking if you're looking for another um, career opportunity and then of course my podcast over quota um, can be found anywhere you get podcasts um, you know apple google spotify stitcher whole nine
0: awesome well perfect Jay, thanks so much for the time i really appreciate it
1: awesome yeah th- thank you much appreciated man
0: All right. So that concludes today's conversation with Jay Webb, founder of Jay David Group, and of course, host of the Overquota podcast. Now, what I really loved about today's conversation was just the philosophies that Jay gives, both actionable ones in terms of LAID, his um, acronym for how you should take action, as well as just like going deep into what motivates him and drives him and having heard that he's taken the time to really introspect and figure out what it is that drives him. What is that motivation? Even though he no longer seeks the attention of his father as what well, and which is what had motivated him and drove him early when he was a child and kind of growing up into his early adulthood to now just wanting to have an impact on the world and have people recognize him for the great things that he does. So, I think it's really really telling and something that if you have not done, take some time to really think about what motivates and drives you. And if you don't know where to start, that's okay, but just start maybe writing stuff down or just kind of analyzing why you make decisions or why you want to do certain things. So anyway, really, really great conversation with Jay. And of course, if you found value or you think someone else that you know would, please share the podcast with others and make sure that you follow and subscribe if you have not already. And that's it for the Silicon Alley podcast. Thank you so much for watching. It means the world to me that you took the time to listen and I hope that you got a ton of value from today's conversation. That's it. I'm William Glass, CEO and co-founder of Ostrich and of course, your host of the Silicon Alley podcast. Have a great one, guys. You got no time to waste, but still you hesitate, caught in a circle saying I'm not never-